In today's episode, Andrew teaches us how to command our brains to do what we need to do in order to be successful. And you don't want to miss how he got through nine heart surgeries without anesthetic. This guy is a beast. Make sure to stick through to the end as he takes us through an exercise that makes our brains truly limitless. Are you hitting a wall in your business because you feel like you're too busy? Do you ever wish there were more hours in a day? This podcast is for hyper-focused entrepreneurs who want to learn the secrets of superhuman productivity. Together, we're going to kick procrastination in the teeth. We're going to slice through BS excuses like a katana blade. We don't ever wonder what happened because we're the ones that made it happen. My name is Josh Thomas. You've now entered the do zone. Welcome to the DZ Tribe. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Lewis Carroll, DZ Tribe, Josh Thomas. If you haven't already, check out thedozone.com for productivity tips, accountability, and just a bunch of amazing people getting a bunch of amazing stuff done. Once again, that's thedozone.com. You're in for a real treat today. Guys, Andrew Carlson is our, he's an executive brain coach who works with business owners and entrepreneurs to optimize their life and business while helping them add an additional 25% in revenue without missing out on what matters most. And guys, this is probably, this podcast was for Mr. Carlson to come on here and share his wisdom um, because we're going to, we're going to crack his brain open and, and it's just like a bunch of value goo is just going to spew out of it and splatter against the wall. We're going to have a good time. And so Andrew, welcome to the do zone, say what's up to the DZ tribe and tell us something that you believe is the key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of. Hey, thanks so much, Josh. And thanks so much everyone for tuning in and listening. I'm so excited. I think the number one thing that most people, they may have thought of doing it, but they don't know always how to do it is keeping things simple. Because the more complicated and the more complex things get, the more overwhelmed we become, the more we run away from actually doing those simple tasks that can be repeated again and again and again for maximum productivity. Keeping things simple. And so the, the complexity makes us just sit still. It's like, oh, it's, it's too hard. Better off not doing anything. Yep, 100%. And and. <laughs> You know, we could probably, uh, there are, there are books written on that. There are seminars about that. Um, there are, there is an entire, uh, business model, you know, the coaching and self-help, there's billions of dollars are spent every year trying to solve that problem. Why do you think, first of all, why do you think that problem exists at all? And second of all, why is it so hard to solve? I think the number one thing of why it's still a problem today. And it's going to continue to be a problem until the end of basically the human extinction uh, (laughs) is because as humans, we like to make things complicated. We like to, if it becomes too simple, we think that it cannot be a solution. We say, oh, it's too easy. It can't simply be that easy. So then we go in from an emotional standpoint, go to make it more complex. And the thing that we can do to solve it is to understand that if we do more things that are simpler and we allow the compounding effect to take charge of that, you're gonna allow yourself to get more done and make a lot more money simply by focusing on those simple 
but key things that move the needle forward in your business and in your life. And we can probably dive into more specifics here in a moment, but since you mentioned it, just focus on those simple and key things. Is there an overarching, is there a big list, top three kind of key things that you really need to focus on in order to be a productive human being? It depends upon what area of your life you're looking at doing. Like if in your relationship, a date night is going to be super important. And a lot of people don't take the time to actually put the effort into a monthly or a biweekly date night. If you're looking at moving, improving your business, generating leads is something that's crucial to make sure that your, your, your pipeline is filled. And then from that, what's the next thing that branches from that? How many offers and sales are you making? If it, in your health and your fitness, do you have your, your morning and your PM routines to amplify your fitness, but then to also unwind from a day of stress and other things that happen in your life? So it just depends upon what those key things are for you as business owners that are going to move the needle towards the goal that you've established. And so let's get into, uh, you've, you've obviously put a lot of work into this uh, and you help others with it, but let's, let's talk about the, the, the kind of reason that this started. Uh, let's talk about the origin story. Uh, you've, we're dealing with some, some health issues recently. Talk to me, talk to me a little bit about that and, and how that kind of, uh, got the ball rolling for where you are. Well, right out of high school, when I first graduated, I always wanted to be the best of the best. I wasn't really an athlete, but when it comes to athletics, people are always trying to be the legend or the best of the best in athletics. So I wanted to do the same in business. I started in the film industry, but then in the film industry, I was getting towards the top producing, getting ready to do all of those. And I ended up passing out and un- I didn't know it at the time, but I ended up, my heart stopped for a second. Whoa. And I had over the course of three years, I had to leave the film industry because it was too high stress of a job. So I decided restaurants would be a really good second option, uh, which is high stress. And I don't know why I chose that one, but I had to, basically they told me after surgery number two, the anesthetic and the, the medication that we're giving you is not cooperating with your heart. So we need to do the surgery. You can't have any medication, any anesthetic, anything. So for nine surgeries, I had to learn how to basically be in the quote unquote zone to hypnotize myself to have anesthesia. Now, so that's, like, now that's a totally different zone than the do zone. I can tell you that for sure. I don't know what <laughs> zone that is. And I don't, I don't think that I really want to know what zone that is, but, but like, let's, let's back up for a minute here. I want to make sure that everything, you know, that, that everybody understands what you just said. You had what nine heart surgeries without yeah. anesthetic. Just and- because the mind works in mysterious ways. And so they're like slicing you open with the scalpel and using the like grabber things. I'm sorry. I'm not a very medical guy, but like, they're like pulling your rib cage apart and you have no anesthetic. Luckily it wasn't open heart surgery. It was just up through the groin, through the vein, but then they had to burn scar tissue inside the heart. So it turned up really hot internally. Wow. And, and so because of this experience, it, it kind of forced your hand to start really thinking about, well, how does the brain work? How does the brain kind of dictate how we operate and that connection between um, the, the dopamine and the endorphin receptors and all these different things that we do 
to kind of comfort and self-soothe and looking for that gratification. And that must have been an incredible journey. But for you, it was it was a necessity. I've got to figure out how to survive the surgery. 100%. And it wasn't successful the very first time. It was very painful. Uh, and I'm not going to basically pretend that it was an enjoyable experience. But the one thing that I did learn is that the mind and the body can withstand a lot of pain and go through a lot more than we believe that it can. And once I ended up getting into that zone of, wow, I'm not feeling any pain. I have zero anesthetic. The brain is taking care of what it needed to take care of because I basically commanded it to do so. Then I had those surgeries that were successful. And then I went, okay, if I can do that with surgeries, what else can I do in the restaurant industry to make myself a better performer which that allowed me to basically model that. And then I went from being an entry-level barista to an executive within only one year time frame. Wow. And, and, and so you, you, kind of, you kind of took that, uh, I'm going to command, command my brain. I like how you put that. I'm going to command my brain to do what I needed to do. And then once you were able to survive and have successful surgeries, you went and applied that to your career. So give me an example of how you're commanding your brain to change how you operate in a business setting. So in a business setting, one of the things that I struggled with early on in business was lead generation and having sales conversations, because to me, that was the most terrifying thing on the face of the planet. Now there are salespeople who absolutely love it. I went sales is scary. So I had to command my brain to say sales is fun, it's a game, and it's simply just a part of business. If you cannot, essentially, if you cannot do this one task, you'll never be successful in business. So then I said, every single day, I'm just going to start with two minutes, generating leads, having conversations with people. And then a week later, I'm going to start with four minutes, and then 16 minutes, and then 32 minutes. And then I just continued to double it week after week. And now I can go for three, four, five hours generating leads, having sales conversations, and it's simply a fun game for me. And I allowed that process to essentially be the catalyst that allowed me to have fun with sales. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that I think would, would, would love to think that sales is a fun game <laughs> and they don't currently. And, and it's one of the, it's one of the biggest barriers to the entry of being an entrepreneur is, well, you must be a salesperson in some capacity. Now you may not need to pick up the phone or knock on doors or something like that, but in order to be a successful business person, you have to be able to sell something. And that trips a lot of people up because it's scary. You're basically putting yourself in a confrontational environment and you are subjecting yourself to potential rejection, ridicule, all kinds of things could happen. And you know, gosh, if I just stay in my cube behind my computer and follow the rules of the office, nobody's going to reject me. You know, nobody's going to make me feel like I'm less than or something like that. I can just do my thing. And, and so there's this huge barrier that's created there. It can't be as easy as, all right, it's just a fun game. I'm good. What, like, take me through the process of that. Let's, let's stick on that one specifically. Take me through the process of how do you shift from sales is scary to sales is a game. Walk me through that maybe a little more specifically. Yeah, 100%. So what it ends up coming down to is the labels that we're creating and that we're putting on something 
typically creates the reality. That's just how the brain works. So if we're saying sales is scary, the next thing that we can do is just shift scary, that word scary, into something that's not as heavy of a weight. So it may not be able to go from sales is scary to sales is a fun game, but sales is scary. Sales is okay. And if we simply just went sales is okay, I'm okay with sales. And then allow yourself to take a moment to feel how your physiology changes and shifts and breathe into that exact wording. Sales is okay. And then you did something sales specific that allowed you to get out of your comfort zone a little bit, your comfort zone, your brain's basically going to say alert, alert, and you're going to feel maybe a little anxiousness. You're going to feel other things where your brain's trying to prevent you from doing that. But if you went, okay, I hear you and sales is okay. Telling your brain and commanding it that this is now okay. It's going to say, okay. But the number one thing that most people make the mistake on is that they never do anything right afterwards. They command their brain, but then they don't do the one thing that they were afraid to do before, which is sales. So sales is okay. Brain, once you give it 20 seconds to calm down, then you start the activity. And then after about a week of you saying it's okay, then shift it to sales is fun. Once you've had fun for a week, then it can become a game and then it can become a fun game. Hmm. So you're just kind of stacking it up there, like going from one extreme and then taking one step, adding a step, adding a step over time. Yep. 100%. And, you know, the, the other thing that I heard that you said there is acknowledging your brain's fear, not saying you're wrong, but saying, Hey, I hear you. I'm validating you. And that's actually really just good advice for any relationship that you're in. And you have a relationship with your brain and it's lifelong. You know, as soon as you break up with your brain, you're dead. And so you have to have a good relationship with your brain. And so if your brain is saying, hey, wait, I'm not sure about this. You know, you're like, hey, okay, you know what? I hear you. I'm validating that. And I understand why you feel that sales is okay. Yeah. I And one of the coolest things about it when you get to that place is you're going to have two sides you're going to have the yeah sales is fun and the 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 cheerleader side of your brain then you're going to have the other side of your brain that's like this is scary this is never going to work you're going to basically die you're going to get killed like it's going to try to convince you tigers will attack us and maul us in the open fields yeah that's what your brain is thinking right now a hundred percent i've said it many times that that you're there's a documentary called The Social Dilemma that I that should be required watching for anybody that's a human being right now. And one of the things, the, one of the points that they make is your brain has not had a firmware upgrade in more than a million years. And so it is still out there in the open savanna worried about saber-toothed tigers that are going to maul and kill your family. And now that they are not there anymore, now that they no longer exist, now that that threat has been eliminated and neutralized, it's looking for the next threat. And that threat, now that we're not so under the threat of death anymore, that threat is discomfort. And, and have you, I want to ask you about this because I was recently in a, in a conference where I had a guy come up and talk about psychedelics and you know all, all kinds of crazy stuff that you can do to, to like heal yourself and, and get really in touch with who you are. And, uh, one of the things that he brought up is your brain is basically a junkie. Your brain is doing all the things that it could possibly do 
to get that next dopamine or endorphins hit. And we exhibit behaviors that show us how our brain gets that hit. Because some people, if I feel bad, I'm going to go shopping. That gives you a dopamine hit. You know, some people, when they feel bad, uh, you know, I'm just going to sit here and, you know, woe is me. You know, life sucks. Everybody hates me. That gives them a dopamine hit. It's like validation of your misery or something and then shoots it in there. And so your brain is just basically this junkie that is trying to figure out how do I get that next dopamine hit? The next one, the next one, the next one. And what your job is, is to identify what is causing that dopamine. What is, what is, what is your brain doing to get that hit? What is your brain craving and how is that influencing your behavior? How is that, how is that making you who you are? It's so that you can acknowledge and say, Hey brain, I know that, you know, you're really addicted to this thing, but sales is okay. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit to, to the extent, because I know like, I'm just a dude that was sitting in a conference, listening to a guy talk about like doing uh, DMT, right? <laughs> so what do I know? But you've gone down the rabbit hole and you've studied this. Tell me, you know, what are, what is your perspective on that? I think some people need to utilize psychedelics to allow themselves to unlock that portion of the brain because for far too long, this world has conditioned us to stop imagining, to stop dreaming, to stop playing. And one of the things that happens when we're growing up is your parents and the teachers and everyone that you're surrounded by when you're born and when you just start discovering the world, they encourage it. But then eventually they, they start planning you for going to college and having a real job and doing all of these things where they tell you to stop daydreaming, stop imagining. And this is just the way that life is. So for far too long, too many people, especially as adults, have forgotten what it's like to actually play, to imagine, to dream and like vividly dream. So the psychedelics that we can utilize in a small dose can basically open up what was once lost to you. But for like, for me, I had to learn how to make surgery playful because if I went in saying surgery is, is a going, fun game, <laughs> if I went in going, this is going to be painful, my body and the brain, the minute anything touches me is going to trigger the stress hormone cortisol to then the nerves are going to go, this is painful. So then it becomes painful. Whereas I went mm, a little uncomfortable, but it's okay. I can handle it. And when you go from severe pain to a little uncomfortable, it's totally okay. And my friend even has kids where they don't know what pain feels like. It's just a little uncomfortable. So the language that we use, but when it comes to psychedelics, the really cool thing is we're basically unlocking the chest that was once closed up and locked up and we totally forgot about it. And it's mm -hmm. teaching us that we can play and we can imagine, and it opens us up to a brand new world. Colors seem a little brighter, but we can do that without an external source as well. You just have to practice imagining again. Takes work. It takes work. You know, uh, when you were talking about pain, this reminds me of a story. Um, my daughter, and when she was really young, I wanted to teach her to be tough and I didn't want her to be a crybaby. And so I remember a few times where, you know, she would fall like skin or knee and, you know, or like hurt herself or something like that. And I would ask her, well, is it broken? You know, no. Is it bleeding? No. Well, then I think you're probably going to be okay. 
And I would do that every single time. <clears throat> and eventually she just stopped making a big deal about it. Um, I even remember one time uh, we were out playing. She was like five years old and uh, we were out playing and it was near this little lake. Uh, and she was messing around and um, all of a sudden she was completely covered in giant ants just like from her uh from her hips all the way down like they had like she stepped in some ant hill and all of these ants were like crawling up and and some of them were like picking at her and biting her and i didn't know what was going on because she didn't say anything she didn't scream she wasn't crying all i all i, I had turned away for a second and then when i turned back she was standing there and she was basically just going um um and i'm like holy crap, you know? And so I, I, I grabbed her and I, I dunked her in the water, you know, like up to her hips to, to wash the ants off. And I pulled her out and she had all these bites on her leg and stuff. I felt horrible, but man, she didn't cry, you know? And she didn't, uh, she didn't lose her cool. She wasn't freaking out and she was in pain. And then that's when I remembered, uh, there was another time slightly after that. And this is, this is where I knew like what, this is where I'm validating what you're saying. Because pain, pain is not real unless you make it real. And that's, that's basically what I unconsciously taught my daughter. And to this day, I mean, she's pretty chill. Like she doesn't really complain about much. She's not a big crybaby when things don't go her way. You know, I mean, she's a teenager now, so there's some, there's some moodiness going on, but, but for the most part, she can handle the pain. And uh, I remember one time I, you know, I, I bumped into something and I like, scraped my hand and it, it was hurting you know i was like oh oh man it hurts and and sure enough dude i heard like out of the corner of the room she goes is it broken is it bleeding and i was like no well then i think you're probably okay and then she just like runs off that's so good <laughs> yeah man so uh, yeah that's it's just fascinating what we can teach ourselves to do or not do or how to react or not react because any other child in that situation, if you feed that uh, reaction, if you feed that, like, Oh, it hurts and all that. If you feed that, it's going to grow. If you don't feed it, it won't grow. hundred percent. And too many people feed it. So what would you say is your best piece of advice to, to stop feeding the things that are hurting us? The number one thing of advice I would just say is just look at it as pure data. Just because something happened doesn't make it good or bad. Your body is just getting data and it's your job to basically tell your brain whether this is good or bad. Like someone could lose a job or you could lose a million dollars. Mark Zuckerberg, I think he lost like $200 billion within an evaluation of Facebook the other day. It was just data. Because he knows, okay, then I just got to do X, Y, and Z, and we'll work to bring it back up. It's just everything is calculated. And as long as you can look at it as a calculation of, okay, I lost my job, or okay, I lost the sale. Instead of taking it personally, which most people do, and if you've ever read uh, The Four Agreements, one of those agreements is 100%. But we as humans love to take everything personally because we think it's all about us. The world revolves around us. The sun revolves around us specifically. But if we just look at it as data and for it that the way that it is, and we extract the emotion from it and look at it as facts, 
then we can actually be a hundred times more productive at making a decision and taking action instead of dwelling on. It. Yeah. And uh, the four agreements really changed my life. Uh, for those of you who are uh, not familiar, it's a book by a gentleman named Don Miguel Ruiz. And uh, he talks about ancient Toltec wisdom, which was an indigenous tribe um, that he spent a lot of time studying. And the four agreements are uh, be impeccable with your word. Uh, don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. And I have those memorized at this point because they really command every decision that I make in my life. And you know what? The best part about it is I still take things personally. I still make assumptions. And I occasionally say things that I can't follow through on, but that's where the last one comes in. And it says, always do your best because the, that last agreement is kind of the, the savior, if you will, because you're going to go through and you're going to do your day and you're going to do whatever you're going to do. And even if you mess all of them up, when you say, I'm always going to do my best, that means that you can get up tomorrow and you can try again. And uh, for those of you listening, if anybody has any connections, I would love, love, love to have, uh, Don Ruiz, Don Miguel, on this podcast um, because he has affected so many lives of uh, all the people listening and me personally. So if anybody has a connection, you know, we'll put it out there. Let's get him on the podcast. I'll I'll fly to Mexico or wherever he is and like do the interview live in his house. Just put that out there. You got to manifest it, right? A hundred percent. Manifestation is super important. And the funny thing is. I still have my connection with him because about six years ago, he was on a television show that I was producing uh, called Wake Up and it was all inspirational people. So we had Jack Canfield, Lisa Nichols, Don Miguel Ruiz is one of them. So I'm going to reach out to my contact and see. There you go. Open to it. Yeah. Live in-person manifestation happening right there. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Good stuff, man. Yeah. So, man, gosh, we could dive in for another two hours and, and just kind of pick your brain and learn about your knowledge here. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to go ahead and, you know, get into your hypnosis, non-anesthetic state. And instead of heart surgery, this time we're going to do some brain surgery and we're going to, we're going to crack open your noggin and we're going to do the do, do zone diagnostic. Are you ready? Excellent. So uh, just, these are a set of five questions that I ask every guest and it just kind of helps us understand how you operate and we can soak up all the knowledge that we can just rapid fire. First thing that comes to mind. First question. What's one thing, Andrew, you do that keeps you focused on your goals? Deadlines, self-imposed deadlines. And the number one reason why that is, is because there's this thing called Parkinson's law that basically states that the work you do expands to fill the time available for its completion. So if I give myself a week to do something, I'm going to do that in about a week. If I give myself an hour to do something, I'm going to make sure I get it done in an hour. Most people look at deadlines as something that they like to do or something they don't like to do. But most people never stick to and adhere to their deadlines. They say, oh, I didn't get it done. Hmm. Oh, well. Instead of going, ha, I didn't get it done. What do I need to do next? to make sure tomorrow I get that done in with that within that time frame, And you keep repetitively practicing until it gets so good that you can complete things within that time frame that you allow yourself to. You know, one of the things, one of the ways that I've put that in the past is respect the time, not the result. 
100%. Because if you respect the time, the result will conform to time. But if you only respect the result, well, time will conform to the result. And, you know, time is the one resource that we cannot create more of. And so how, Andrew, uh, how do you get back on track when you lose that focus? So every single day I look at what are the top six things that I need to complete that make sure my day is complete. If I don't get those six things done, I don't feel satisfied with my day. And then I map out what's the most important one through six. And then I stick to the one thing what, that's at number one until it's completed within the time frame I've allotted. So I use something if I need to get back on track, something called the Pomodoro technique. So it's basically a three, one ratio where I work for either 15 minutes. If I, if I need to reset 15 minutes and then a five minute break, and then another 15 minutes and then a five minute break, or I'll do 45 minutes on and 15 minutes off. Hmm. Okay. Awesome. And can, can you share those six things? Those six things, it totally depends upon what my goals are. So like for this quarter, when it comes to what I'm focused on, it's going to be working out. So my morning routine is always going to be number one, because I want to make sure I'm sticking to that seven days a week. But then it comes down to business generating activities, uh, speaking opportunities, because I'm on about three or four podcasts every single week now. Um, and I'm a few of those other things are going to be meal prepping for the week. I have weekly six and then daily six. So lead generation, sales conversations, networking, and then my PM routine. Okay. Awesome. And Andrew, who is your support group and how do they keep you accountable? My support group, I have a couple, but one of the biggest ones is called Apex. Uh, it's something that was created by Ryan Stuman, but this crew of high profile like business owners have been amazing. There was one time where a business of mine literally fell apart. My business partner ran off with a bunch of money. I was basically strapped with nothing. And before in the past, I didn't really have a network of people that I could say, this is what's going on. Because a lot of people don't understand entrepreneurship or business ownership. But I went to them and they said, okay, what's next for you? It wasn't a, oh, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. It's a, okay, what's next? It was just data. So then they helped me basically pick myself back up and I was back at work the next day working on a few things. Yeah. You can invest your energy on, on what happened, or you can invest your energy on the next thing that's going to happen. hundred percent. Yeah. Well said. And uh, this is a good kind of lead in to the next question. How do you approach a difficult project that you're not sure how to complete? The biggest thing that I do is I look at, okay, I'm not sure how to complete it, but what's the first thing I can do? Because too often we look at the whole project as a whole, it's so difficult. And then hear that language, but then if we just say, okay, take a step back, it's overwhelming. So let's just take a step back. Let's map out what are the things that we can do right now that move us closer through this project. And then just focus on those things. And eventually, You'll say, okay, I'm stuck here. I'm going to reach out for help to my network of support. Or if I don't have a network of support, okay, what can I do within this very specific task? And what can I outsource? And those are the things that I do. Awesome. Last question. What's the number one pro tip that you would give to someone looking to get more done in less time? Keeping it simple. 
and I'm coming back to this because it's a pro tip simply because people love to make things complicated. So they get to say, okay, I'm going to do all of these things. I'm going to make this list of 20 things. And I'm going to accomplish it today. Your brain instantly goes into overwhelm, which then triggers the fight or flight response in your brain. And then saber tooth tiger comes in your brain <laughs> instead of just going, okay, I know I have 20 things to do. Let's put it into columns. What's urgent and important. What's important, but not urgent. What's not urgent, but important. And then what's not important and not urgent. And I just put them into those categories. And I always focus on what's urgent and important to make sure that I'm always moving the needle, whether that's in your relationship, in your business, in your health, in your fitness, or just in yourself. Awesome. Well said. And so talk to me a little bit. You've, you, you have, you have mastered the, uh, the completely insane sport of open, like of heart surgery without anesthetic. So you're probably in a very exclusive club there and you learned a lot about yourself and how to command your brain to do the things that it needs to do. Tell me how you take that and apply it and help other people with it. It's a really good question. So I help people basically optimize their life and their business. So if it's a productivity thing because they're not getting enough done or they're not making enough sales, I'll go into their business and work with their teams or work with themselves to extract basically what are all of those things that are preventing them from staying productive. And that's what I do. I help people basically get into the, the zone. I like to call it the learning state in sports. They call it the zone. Um, in Hawaiian culture, they call it Hakalau with the police department. They call it heightened awareness. And like, do we ever, have you ever like, said something to your parents. And then they said, don't mouth off at me. And then all of a sudden you, they turn around and you just thought you were going to be sassy. So you quietly without saying anything, were like mocking them. And then they literally turned around and said, stop that. I saw that. And you're like, do you have eyes in the back of your head? <laughs> so one of those things that I teach people and I want to do with everyone listening today is getting them into that state of heightened awareness. And it's something that's super simple, literally takes two minutes. So at the end of this podcast, we can record that really quick. And it's just a fun little walkthrough. Okay. Yeah, great. I want to, I want to know more about that. And so, so who, is there a specific type of person that would benefit most from, from what you offer? Is this, is this mostly geared towards business owners and entrepreneurs, or is it for anybody? Just tell me a little more about that. So for me personally, I work with business owners and entrepreneurs specifically because I love working with people who have teams and who have large levels of impact and influence because if I can help 10 CEOs or business owners who have teams of 5, 10, 15, even 50 that then can go to their teams and influence and impact them, I get to have a bigger ripple effect of influence than if I were just to be able to help one-on-one -on -one people. Okay. Got it. So specifically for small businesses and, and can you give me, um, so let's, let's say I'm somebody that's kind of falls in your target market and I'm listening to this episode right now and I'm trying to figure out, well, this all sounds really good, Andrew, but how does this impact my bottom line? You know, take me, draw me a roadmap if engaging with you and, and these, these skills that you're going to teach me, how do I, how do I close the loop and say, okay, here's how that impacts my business in an objective way? 100%. So I always say that there's no such thing as business problems. There's only personal problems that impact your business. So what ends up happening is we work through with you what's going on mentally, emotionally, and sometimes even physically. 
and see where are the roadblocks that are preventing you from being productive in your business? What are the things that are preventing you from being a really good leader? And like for my client that I'm currently working with, the one thing was he was good. He wasn't consistent with sales and generating leads, but he would be making around 20 or $30,000 a month. All I had to do was basically say, okay, we need to tap into your brain and start visualizing what the end result is going to look like. If you want to make $60,000 a month consistently, all you have to do is visualize yourself looking at your bank account and seeing that number coming in. And then from a third person perspective, look at yourself, seeing yourself look at the bank statement and the P&Ls and look at that and what you had to do in order to get there. And he literally texted me yesterday and said, wow, I'm on track for a $75,000 month. And it was little things like that where he thought he was good at what he was doing, but it's all those little optimizations. It's like tightening the screws a little bit of things that we're not aware of that are impacting us, whether emotionally or physically or even mentally that can open up the gates. And it's just that little screw that needs a little tightened that can then open the floodgates to limitless. Yeah. And, and really it, you said earlier, well, all you have to do is visualize it. I don't think that's true. And I don't think that's what you meant because all you have to do is yes, you've got to see yourself being able to do it, but then you have to actually do it. You have to do the 100%. work. You have to follow through. But the problem is that your brain is creating this block that does not allow you to get to that place to do the doing is what I'm hearing. hundred percent. And the reason why is because people say, well, I've never made $60,000 in a single month. So then your brain goes, okay, because your brain doesn't take anything. Yeah. Your brain takes everything literally mm-hmm. and it doesn't process negatives. So if you are saying, I can't do this, I can never get there. Your brain's just going to say, okay, that's cool. But if you visualize, I'm going to fight you on that, man. Yeah, sure. That sounds right. (laughs) If you visualize and then take the action and that's the missing part in everything. And I'm glad you brought that up is because the act, the simple little tasks that lead to generating that money is the same thing that leads to generating 20,000 or $30,000 or $40,000. He's still doing the same exact thing. He's just more focused. He's more productive. And he allowed himself to do things like raising his prices that allowed him to get there. And so tell me about this exercise that you mentioned just a minute ago. Is that something we go through here live or are you going to, you're going to drive the audience to a different place to check it out? We can do it here live. Uh, So if you're driving, don't do it right now. (laughs) If you're juggling, if you're juggling chainsaws, you know, try not, you know, don't participate, just listen. Yeah. Get it. All right. Let's let's go. I'm ready. Okay. Perfect. So first of all, before we start though, uh, let me ask for, for, for those who are listening and they want to engage with you. Before we get into this exercise, how can people reach out and connect with you? Go to getlimitlesssuccess.com. And from there, if you want additional resources, you can join my Facebook group. You can also contact me and download my contact card and shoot me over a text message if you'd like to, and we can have a conversation. Got it. Getlimitlesssuccess.com. Yep. All right, let's go. I'm ready. All right. So this is what I like to call the learning state. Uh, And if you have children... If you teach this to your children, especially people that have like ADD or ADHD, it can actually raise their grade point average by one to 1.5 points. So if you're at two or 2.5, it can literally jump all the way up to three or 3.5 or four simply by doing this thing. 
And it's basically like opening up a trap door to your mind and letting all of the learnings come in easily and effortlessly. So then that way you can access it at any time. So if you're reading a book, you want to get into this learning state. If you're watching it, going to a seminar, get into this learning state because it will allow you to A, be more productive, B, get a lot more of those learnings in, and then C, allow you to have better results in your business and in your life. So what ends up happening is that we have foveal vision and we have peripheral vision. We spend the majority of our time in basically tunnel vision, looking ahead at doing those things that we forget what's around going on around us. So I'm going to now get you into the process. So all you need to do is just keep your chin level. And then if you're sitting at your house, you're going to basically look straight ahead and lift your eyes up to basically the corner of where the ceiling meets the wall. And just allow your eyes to just rest on that one spot without moving. What you'll notice as soon as you look up at that spot is within a matter of moments, your awareness will begin to spread out and just go ahead and let it. And just notice that your awareness begins to spread out so that you not only notice that spot that you're looking at, but you start to notice the surrounding areas so you can see the spot you're looking at. And you can also see the ceiling and the walls surrounding it. You can continue to spread that awareness out so that you can see the spot. You can also see the projector screen or you can see your fans or you can see your lights or you can see everything, your countertops all at once. Just take it all in. And all of this awareness, you're just gonna notice all of it at once. You'll notice what I'm saying and just notice how good it feels and how easy it feels to be in your awareness. Now, all you need to do is lower your eyes back to eye level keeping that awareness there. Just notice all of the sounds and how quiet it gets inside your mind. Because normally we have a chatterbox voice going on inside of our head. And sometimes attention isn't so good, but when you're in the state, it's easy to focus. So once you've got that awareness and you have that, then everything becomes 10 times more powerful for you. And the more that you have this awareness, every time you sit down to work, every time you do something, you'll be able to do things a heck of a lot faster and a lot more productive than you have in the past before. And it's something that's just as simple as that. I did that exercise, by the way, while you were doing, I don't know, very, for anybody that may, maybe can't see the video, I was like staring up and, and it was, it was interesting that uh, as you were explaining it, I saw things start to open up beside me and I ha I do have a ceiling fan right here above me. And you said the fan like, Whoa, there's the fan, you know, <laughs> like he's like a mind reader. That's cool. Yeah. And so, and so now that I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm in this state and the weird thing about it was, okay, so you keep your, you keep your chin level, but you point your eyes up at this basically 45 degree angle. It was pretty high, you know, and it kind of like, I could feel like a pressure and a little bit of tension in my eyes that I wasn't used to, because normally if I'm going to look up, I'm just going to turn tilt my head up so that it's more comfortable, but comfort doesn't solve problems, right? Definitely not. Cool. Thanks for taking, taking us through that exercise. For those of you who have, uh, who did that with us, we'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Um, go on to the social media, share it in your Instagram stories. Make sure that you tag me at Josh Thomas 80 uh, or at the dudes. Uh, Andrew Carlson, man, this was every bit of what I was hoping for and expecting from you. And, and it was, uh, it was a tremendous interview and you've brought tremendous value. So I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. So for those of you who are interested in engaging with Andrew, uh, if you are an entrepreneur or business owner and you're looking to kind of 
break through those limits and uh, create a new reality for yourself, you can go to getlimitlesssuccess.com and engage with Andrew Carlson there. If you're a busy entrepreneur looking to get to the next level from a practical or strategic perspective, uh, head over to thedozone.com for more productivity tips, tools, and strategies. You can also join our Facebook group of the same name. Until next time, remember, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with yours? I have a job for you. Open up your phone or get out a piece of paper and write down these three questions. Number one, what is one important task I can get completely done today? Number two, when can I start it? And number three, what impact will that have on my life? Now answer these questions as best you can every single day this week. Then commit to taking action daily. Now you're in the do zone, baby. Let's go. Need some help with accountability? Are you stuck where you're at and not sure how to break through the barrier in front of you? Join the DZ tribe for free by visiting thedozone.com. We're a group of hyperactive entrepreneurs who want to help you get more stuff done. Oh, one more thing. If you know somebody who needs to hear this message, share it with them. Text them, email them, send them a DM on social media, smoke signals, carrier pigeons, whatever. Be sure to tag us at The Do Zone. Also, keep the five-star written reviews coming over on iTunes. That helps new people find the show, hear it, and get themselves into The Do Zone as well. And always remember, the road to success is paved with imperfect action. So what are you waiting for? (laughs) Go do something already. See you next time.